0: But you'll never move in authority because you don't realize it's there because you're still in question because you actually believe God has maybe something else to say about it. Here's what I want you to see. Martha brought up about Moses putting his hand in his coat, pulling out, it was leprous, leprous, and he put it in and it was gone. That God obviously put that on him. Moses couldn't speak well and he was at the burning bush and God said who made man's mouth and then he went on and shared this list about the blind and the deaf and etc that stuff just knocks us to the floor we can't get past it I was at a boat ramp fishing two years springs ago with Dave Newman and we were pulling out the boat I saw two men over on the corner signing and they were deaf and I thought man and I had just seen a couple people with deaf ears have their ears open. One was born deaf, and it's just fun, and I've actually seen a lot of deaf ears open over the years. Uh, saw a person, two people mute, and, and deaf hear and speak. It's just amazing. So, yeah, the one man was 40. His mother was there. She was 70. She's never heard her son speak, and we prayed for him, and I said, I said, look at me, I want you to say Jesus. He said, Jesus? And she just is, imagine her, she's bawling, uncontrolled. And I, I said, what's his name? She told me. I tapped him, and I said his name, and he touched himself and said his name. And then I reached over and touched his mother, I said, Mama, Mama. He went, Mama. Forty years old, she was done. She. she she was so toasted. And we were all toast. But she was, it, I enjoyed watching her. It was just amazing. So who knows when you have that kind of experience under your belt, when you see somebody sign in, you feel like you want to go talk to them and see if they'll let you pray. So I went over and I said, you, he, he said, he pulls out a Bible turns to where Moses was addressed by God at the burning bush and said it's it's how God made him and I went wow you believe that he went yeah and I began to try to talk to him he's really good at reading my lips he couldn't hear at all and he went to his car got out a notepad and started writing to me because I couldn't understand his signing and uh, he said I'm so glad I'm this way I can hear the evil in the world, I can hear da-da-da-da-da, and all this stuff. And I wrote back to him, but you can't hear the water running, the birds singing, and all the good things that are God. And Jesus came to restore, he came to heal, he came to, I said, listen, you know, I'm writing, if it's not God's will, then I guess nothing will happen, right? Well, what happens if your ears pop open? What do you say we pray? I was just pumped. I handed it back to him. I'm smiling like, come on, man. Let's just pray for your ears. And he just went like this and told me he loved me and appreciated me. But no, he said, this is how God made me. So there's not much you can do there. But he's taken that scripture that God made him that way. Okay. We shared yesterday and communion that we're in a new covenant through his blood we showed yesterday where people say all the time well what about well what about well what about and they bring up how lord struck how the lord killed how the lord took out (laughs) and and it's old testament all the time And, and and we say what about job we do it all the time and it's because we're confused because we haven't seen the things we prayed for happen. And our minds are scrambling and searching. And we run a great risk when we are challenging the New Testament through the Old, comparing the two. Because you're subverting your ability to believe. We read in this school all these promises last week, how everyone's to the believer. Isn't it? Do you know what believe means? Fully persuaded, fully convinced. Fully convinced. When you have questions like this, it reveals we're not persuaded, not convinced, and it's the very evidence of why we're not seeing a lot happen. I want you to see this. Now, I've already covered this stuff in the class, okay? I'm going to do it again for the sake of everybody online and everybody in this room. (laughs) And you know I won't get frustrated with you, but I'm not taking any more Old Testament questions. How's that for strong? I'm just not in this class because I'm gonna nail this thing, settle it, and you're gonna have to take it to Jesus. I'm not gonna take any more questions because I'm not gonna just keep repeating it for the sake of one or two questions, okay? I'm gonna cover this thing, and I'm not frustrated. I'm not upset. I, I, I am concerned that there's a blindness on us as the church that we can't see and hear what Jesus is saying. why don't we honor Jesus more than the Old Testament writing? Mm -hmm. If he's the way, the truth, and the life, why are we still saying, what about Job? Why aren't we saying, what about Jesus? Are you following me? Mm -hmm. And it's stumbling us as a people, and it's dividing us. And if you put it on divine order sovereignty and god's choice you you are you are taking off your your sword you're putting down your shield and you're opening yourself up for whatever will be will be and embracing that you're going to have to settle that it's god and you've lost the fight in your faith and your christianity and there's no reason for weapons of warfare and that's what we're missing If it's God's will, why do I have a sword and a shield? Why do I have promises? Why do I have his word? If he told me to go into any city and heal the sick, how can I do that if I'm not sure he wants to? Mm -hmm. Come on, this is just simple. And if I go out there and don't see the sick healed and I shift gears that quick because of my experience, it means I'm not established in the faith and rooted and grounded in the first place. Are you following me? We shared Matthew 17 in the school. When the epileptic boy wasn't healed, Jesus said it was a faithless, perverse generation, meaning our minds are twisted, our minds are corrupt, and we have unbelief. And then he says, let me show you. Bring the boy to me. He heals him. When his disciples say, why couldn't we do it? He said, it's what you're failing to see. Remember how we established all that in the school? Was it the will of God to heal the boy? Absolutely. Was he healed when his own disciples prayed? Was it the will of God to heal the boy? Was he healed when the disciples prayed? Oops. And Jesus didn't say it was divine order, the sovereignty of God, or the lack of timing. He said it was the way you all see and think, or don't see and think. That's what Jesus said. I just happen to honor him more than what we think. No offense to you and me. I just honor him more than what you and me think. We say he's Lord. We ought to let him be Lord. Okay? So I understand all that language is there it's, it's not It's not That I'm trying to say it's not there It is there But it's another covenant And it's the law of sin and death It's man without God It's, it's man living in his own ingenuity and strength Without the spirit of God in him It's actually every man dead in his spirit You follow me? The whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one, the ruler of this world, the god of this world. There's, when man fell, he fell. He didn't just he didn't just sin, guys. He took on the nature of God's enemy, and we were all born into that iniquity. There's a price to all that. There's a pain to all that. There's it's 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 a mess. The law tutored us to Christ. It's all pointing to Christ. It's revealing through all this stuff our desperate need for a Savior. And I just have good news for you. He's come. Yeah. All right? <laughs> he has come. So I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures. And I don't want you to be confused with the Old Testament and ask yourself those questions anymore because here's what happens. And I, I said this real strong to somebody yesterday. I said, one of the biggest tragedies in the body of Christ is when we find indifference through the Old Testament. And build our belief on the Old Testament apart from Christ. And find a reason why not to have the responsibility and privilege of carrying the kingdom. And just putting it all back on God when God put it on us. And it's a privilege. I'm excited yeah. that I can stop that man on the ramp and have the possibility of his deaf ears open. I'm not intimidated by that. And I'm not scared of what if they don't open. And I'm not that self-conscious anymore. I'm not thinking like a man thinks anymore. I'm excited about Jesus in me, and I'm not finding an out to not carry the kingdom when Jesus said it's here and go give it. I'm not going to come up with a reason to back down and just put it all on God, because ultimately, people's hearts don't do well in that theology, because in the long run, the more loss you encounter, because you're setting yourself up for loss when you believe that it's divine order. When you just believe it's the sovereign choice of God, in time, after enough loss, you're confused and can't even love God because there's so much loss and I don't see the goodness of God in it and it puzzles the human mind just as much that way. It's a paradox. And we're singing these songs of how good and holy and amazing and awesome he is and how he can do all things. And all things are in, you know, uh, uh, subjection to his power and his glory and the devil's under our feet and all this stuff and the power of the, the grave's been defeated because he's raised from the dead. And there's a lot of powerful songs we sing and there's a lot of people that can't sing them with their heart because they're looking through glasses of much loss. and I don't know if you understand that our belief system our confusion and our teeter-tottering on this subject and not getting established is going to allow the loss to escalate and continue because if you believe one thing apart from Christ you put a ceiling over the authority and the power of God and you'll never walk in an increase of it because of what you believe or don't believe how are we ever going to grow if we settle on a belief that's less than Him are you following me? I'm just laying a little foundation. I want to show you some scripture that's just, it's just, there's no way around this thing. If we do more seeking him through his word than thinking with our minds and through our feelings, we wouldn't be confused. We really value our opinion and we should really not. We should value him way above what we think and feel. You'll find people that are real proponents I've, I've found this. People that are real proponents and finding a, a way out through the Old Testament are trying to layer over and cover over and explain great loss. I'm not saying that insensitively. I'm just being real. Is it all right if I'm being real? They're trying to explain great loss and find a place to hold their heart and keep it alive unfortunately the way we're doing it isn't the answer because it steals away the hope of increase in God's power and it actually puts it back in the hands of God when he called us to subdue the works of his hands that's two places in scripture three places in scripture it's in the beginning it's in Psalms 8 what is man that thou art mindful of him I mean who is this person called man that God would even consider him and visit him <laughs> see, that was our discussion yesterday. We're, 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 we are somebody to God. And that's not exalting man, that's exalting God's impression of us. Are you following me? In Hebrews, he repeats Psalms 8 and he says that he gave us to subdue over the works of his hand. You have to get that. You have to understand that. We have that authority. We said yesterday, all authority. How much authority? Is given unto me in heaven and where? Go therefore. So you got the connection yesterday. What happened there, right? I want you to see this, okay? So I want to chop this Old Testament lie up. I don't want you struggling with Old Testament questions after today, okay? Please. I'd rather you struggle with my label sticking out of my shirt than struggle with an Old Testament question. All right? Hebrews chapter 1. I've covered all this in the school. I'm going to do it graciously again. I'm sober in my heart. On purpose, I feel that way. I'm not spanking anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't feel like I need to cry. Last school, I cried almost every day after we taught on healing. Because the blindness that's upon us was in my face every day. Now see, now, I'm, now I can cry. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. And we're so busy thinking and talking, thinking and talking, that we're not hearing with our hearts. We're not being humble. We're being opinionated. And it's because we have feelings and we live by them instead of out of our heart. We live out of our feelings and, and, and our minds take precedent. And uh, knowledge can puff you up, folks. It's, it's, it's this quest for knowledge was, this, was a twist in the garden. Okay, you ready? Okay, Hebrews 1. Verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past, time what? Past. Okay, time past to the fathers by the prophets in these last days has, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. <laughs> so God's speaking through Jesus so it's not about Job it's about Jesus watch he has spoken to us by his son so he has watch he's spoken you got it? it's like in 1 John 4 in this singular in this love was made revealed there's in nothing else in this, love was manifest, that God gave his only begotten son. That we might live through him. To live through him is to follow him. To live through him is to, to pursue being Christ-like in the body of... Isn't it amazing that God's term is that we're the body of Christ? Yeah. That means the embodiment of his power and anointing. His anointing is literally what it means, the embodiment of the anointing. It's you and me. Yeah. <laughs> And then we're going to raise the question whether it's God's will or not to heal and compare it to a testament, Old Testament Scripture and subvert our ability to carry that very authority that He's giving us. The Bible says, let your heart be established, settled, because the coming of the Lord is near. God forbid we're still trying to find truth when he comes. He says, when the Son of Man returns, he's talking about a persistent person, a persistent person, a persistent person that won't back off. And after that little parable of a persistent person, it's actually a contrast parable, of a persistent person and an unjust judge. And then he says, how much more will God... Vindicate or redeem or uh, answer his children who cry out to him day and night. And he says, However, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he really find faith? Amen. That's sobering. Because yes, actually, if he'd come back right now, he wouldn't at large. But he wouldn't. He'd find a lot of questions, confusion, and unbelief. Would he really find faith? That means people that have come to believe and know who he is and who we are because of him, living through him. Come on. If it wasn't a concern, if he didn't want to sober us and shake us in that realm and get our attention, why would he say stuff like that in his word? It's sobering. When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith? We've reduced that the people that say he's Lord or believe. Well, if he's Lord, let's let him be Lord through our lives. Because it's Christ in us. It's the anointing in us. The anointing in us that's the hope of glory. And we're making it the governing decision of God. The administrative decision of God. And God has revealed his will through his son so clearly And he's commissioned in Matthew 10, in Luke 10, in Matthew 28, in Mark 16 And in three of those four, he has set a medial on the commissioning to heal the sick and drive out the devil yes. And we're still questioning the will of God when God has spoken through his son Are you following me? It it is not a noble and proud thing to fight the New Testament in the face of your losses to defend your losses. It does not heal your heart. It actually stops the increase of the flow of the kingdom of God and the power of God and you're actually set up to be nailed. Because if you believe it's just God doing it, You're just telling the devil, put it on me, I'll never fight it. You're actually setting yourself up for more loss. Think with me. If you're saying, look, God will do what he wants and God's ordained this before time and this is just the way it is and there's nothing you do about it because if it's God, you're not going to stop it. And hey, your time card's punched and when your time's up, you're out of here, man. I hear people talk like that and that is unscriptural. The Bible says you can prolong your days several places. And if you can prolong them, you can shortcut them short if you do the opposite of what you have to do to prolong them. Hello? Doesn't the Bible say that because we don't discern the body, many are weak, sick, and even asleep, meaning died early? It doesn't say God ordered that. It says because we didn't discern the body. Does it say God ordered that? So is it the sovereignty of God that causes that? There's so many places I could take you and it marvels me that we still have the questions. (laughs) I'm not being mean. We're either thinking too much or we're not in a quiet place reading our Bibles. We're talking and debating more with one another instead of reading his word. Because if you get alone in a bedroom and start reading... It just makes too much sense. Holy Spirit is clear. Are you following me? Okay. Shane, you have something? I'm going to let Shane share something, but I want you then, and it's not not a problem, buddy, or I wouldn't have left you. I just asked you to hold, so go ahead, and then I want you guys to let me just build something here. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Well, uh, just yesterday I started uh, uh, working a job full-time, and uh, uh, basically, just cleaning, and uh, you spend a lot of time talking with your partner. And uh, my partner was a very uh, philosophical guy, very intellectual guy. And so we're we're, we're talking and all those sorts of stuff. And and as we were talking, um, uh, our conversation went down the path, and basically, I started talking uh, at in our conversation talking about how um, darkness, if if darkness. Uh, and how it came out is this analogy of a hot dog. If truth is a hot dog, <laughs> darkness wants to try to keep us away from the organic experience of a hot dog. So what does it do? It tries to add to it and tries to present to us a corn dog. Just enough to where we have a hot dog, but what we, have, we have so much other stuff added onto it that we miss the true experience, the true organic nature of what was there. And the thing is is you can't cause, cause we were talking about Christianity and how could there be different forms of Christianity and how can there did it up? Wow. It's only the most logical possible. Holy
0: Ghost gave thought. you a hot dog and that a corn dog dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love you, man. But but we we have to understand that Are you catching what he said? Darkness Are you right? absolutely has to take organic truth and add to it. In order to keep us from finding what is truly there. There's a whole lot of revelation there, guys. It is the absolute most definite thing that we can bet darkness is going to do. And that's why exactly what Dan's talking about. Finding the secret place to where there is no input for anything but the organic.
0: Big time. Excellent. Thank you. I knew I handed you the mic for good reason. (laughs) And I loved your analogy. It made it very receivable. Did you catch what he said? You didn't get it? Get the tape. <laughs> Watch this. I've said this a thousand times over the years preaching. If every promise is to the believer and you were the enemy, what would you try to scramble? The belief system of every person. Is every promise to the believer? See, we think because we pray, we believe. We pray for a lot of reasons. (laughs) We pray because we're desperate, we're afraid, we're in need, we're in fear. We pray because we read it's in the Bible and we're seeing if it works. Some of us are just confession sheet mentality way. We found it here, we're gonna try it. That has nothing to do with believing. You follow me? So if every promise is to the believer, these signs shall follow those that believe. What do you do that with that when Jesus says that? Jesus said that. Do you know who said that? Do you know that that's not my sermon? Jesus said these signs shall follow those that, what? Believe. Do you know that in John 14 he said, if you believe in me, the things I do, you will do. Who said that? And we're bringing up Old Testament analogies to trump what Jesus said when he's the way, the truth, the life. And in these last days, God has spoken through his son and we're taking what was spoken and interpreting it and trumping what Jesus has said. Not one place did Jesus say no, turn somebody down, say it was the sovereign will of God that you're in this condition. At no place did he call sickness the sufferings of Christ Well I'm suffering for Jesus brother That's persecution not sickness The sufferings of Christ is persecution Being judged unjustly Show me where Jesus was sick The sufferings of Christ have nothing to do with sickness It has to do with persecution He suffered injustice every day Gossip, backbiting misidentifying the pride of man, defining him, sitting back with their brow raised, trying to find what's wrong with this fella, even though everything he was doing was good. It's a spirit. It's a mindset. It's not a good thing. It's really serious what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be heavy with it. I'm trying to stay as lighthearted and not overwhelm anybody. But he talks to Pharisees, and he says, upon you, will come all the righteous blood that was ever shed from Zechariah, who they murdered between the ports and the temple, uh, uh, from Abel to Zechariah, upon you, all the righteous blood. Yeah. And, the, and from Abel to Zechariah, who they crucified between the... And I'm thinking, well, that was 700 years before he spoke that. How can they be guilty of that? Because it's a spirit, it's a mindset, it's a heartbeat. And, 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 and men over the generations give themselves to that same mentality and are attacking truth with it and think they're doing God a favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon you will come all the righteous blood. He's doing, everything he's doing is amazing. And isn't it amazing they found a way to put him on the cross and feel justified. That should, that should sober every one of us. You'd be amazed how many people are walking on the borderline in that arena of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, calling what's good evil. And I know that opens up a hot topic, but I'm talking about letting your heart get in a place where you get so critical and you get so deceived that you can't see God if he's right in front of you. You see what you think might be wrong instead of finding God. Be very careful
1: with that stuff.
0: I found most people fall under the category of mercy. The only reason they're on that track is because they have great loss under their belt. And who knows that God is greater than that and his his mercy will triumph over that. Not judge that. Are you following me? Okay, watch this. He has spoken. Spoken. Do you see that word? He has spoken in these last days spoken to us by his son, who he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. So he's setting the record straight through Jesus. He was there in the beginning and nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Isn't it amazing when he came, they received him not and knew him not, and yet nothing was made that wasn't made through him. It shows how twisted man was when he came. It shows how in the dark man was. What this young man Shane was sharing is, man, there's a counterfeit and an additive to everything. There's a natural and pure. I use it in the whole sexual realm of life. It's the most exploited area of humanity, sexuality. Why? Because it has such an amazing, beautiful, holy, and incredible root and potential there. So the things that are exploited, you don't counterfeit $1 bills. That's really not the mindset of a counterfeiter. Isn't it amazing the things people say concerning healing and how the hackles rise? Well, you shouldn't be so pursuing healing. You shouldn't be talking about healing. It's getting people saved. I hear that comment. I've heard it for 16 years. And I'm thinking, the people that are saying that, if they are reading their Bible, it's with a closed heart and mind. It's only to affirm their background or something. I'm not the one talking about healing Jesus is, constantly. I got it from him. (laughs) In every commissioning, the first thing out of his mouth is the kingdom heal. The kingdom heal. That they might be with him, that he might send them out to heal. And then people say, yeah, but that was the apostles. And we covered all that yesterday and last week and probably before. (laughs) go into all the world those that believe and are baptized they'll be saved those that believe those that believe that come in through you going and preaching these signs will follow them too he says make disciples of every nation teaching them to observe everything i've commanded you Pass the torch, pass the baton. Multiply what I've given you and teach them that what they see in you, they can have too. Somebody died along the way when people were praying and everything got muddy. That epileptic scenario popped up somewhere and Jesus wasn't standing there to address it, so man did with his mind. I'm preaching now. You better hear. Man, I'm tore up inside. You have no idea the emotion in me over this. By grace, I hold together. Because this thing is more wretched than you imagine. It's blindness. It's darkness. And Jesus is the light. And it reveals that we don't have our eyes on him, church. It reveals we have our eyes on our feelings and our experiences. And that we're honoring our mindsets way above his word. In these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Who being, watch verse 3, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So who is Jesus? The absolute revealing and picture of the Father. Do you see that? Do you see that? Back up to Colossians. Out of the mouths of two or more, every word's confirmed and established, and we just got a whole lot of word on this topic because God made sure there was more than one or two. Colossians 1. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows when man fell, he entered into extreme, utter darkness? Who knows that in the beginning of creation, the earth was covered with darkness, the words chaotic, there was no form, it was void, it was no Holy Spirit was hovering, but there was nothing, and God spoke into it breathed into it you've got creation you've got man in God's image and you have order brought to darkness out of the light God calls darkness out of, out of the darkness God calls light to shine it's the same thing he did when he brought Jesus to the earth he was a root shot up out of dry ground at the right time Second Corinthians 4 he called light to shine in darkness and that light that light is in us because the life and the light are go hand in hand the life of Jesus is the light of men. It's not the light of the Old Testament. It's the light of Jesus. The life of Jesus. You follow me? So he calls light to shine into darkness, right? Now watch, verse 13 of Colossians 1. He, he has delivered us. What has he done? Are you delivered from the power of darkness? Yes. So is God subcontracting darkness? No. You're delivered from it. Is he using darkness? No. God's the God of light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's right. Follow? Yeah. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of Of the Son of His love. Now, watch. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Why do we have redemption? Because sins are forgiven. So sin and its power are totally, utterly destroyed, and we're snatched out of darkness and translated into the light. Now, watch. We have redemption through who? Through Him. And the forgiveness of sins, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Do you see who he is? Hebrews 1 says he's the expressed image of the Father. Colossians 1 says he is the image of the invisible God. You follow me? Let's just back up here to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Well, you can stop at 14 on your way to 1. It's closer. So we've got Jesus on the earth. I understand the story of Job's in the Bible. I understand what God said at the burning bush when Moses was there. I understand that it says he struck this person, and he struck that person, and he struck this person, and he struck... It's a lot of places. I understand also there's a law of sin and death. I understand there was handwriting and ordinance contrary to us, but he took it away by tacking it to the tree, making a public spectacle of the powers and principalities that operated through it. So, I wonder what was working legalistically through the law to hammer human beings. The law of the Spirit of life through Christ Jesus has made me free. What don't we understand about that? There's a new law, it's called the Spirit of life through Christ, and it's made me free. From the law of sin and death. That even means the wrath, the punishment, the consequences. You're not going to sell me. You make your bed. You sleep in it. There's repentance on the earth. There's an ability to change your heart and in godly sorrow be vindicated and completely clear in the matter. That doesn't teach easy grace. That teaches integrity and sincerity of heart and getting sober minded and living diligent. And that's exactly how I live. And I give no place to the devil. You following me? John 14. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Listen. God has always been our father. We didn't know it. We were born into Adam. Adam failed. Adam sinned. Adam committed high treason. Adam died on the inside. Do you get that? You were predestined before the foundation of the world. God intended for you to be adopted as sons and daughters. The only reason, somebody asked me once, well, that doesn't sound too personal if we're adopted. Why'd we have to be adopted? Because we were born into another and now we're born again. What we were born into was not our parents, your heritage is from the Lord. Your inheritance is from the Lord. Jesus said, when you pray, pray saying, our Father. He's trying to tell us, you guys don't even know where you're from and who you really are. We were all born into Adam. We were born in iniquity, formed in our mother's womb. The Bible says we were alienated from God. The Bible says we were wicked works in our minds. We've covered all this in the school. I'm going over it again to lay a strong foundation. Jesus comes because of the truth of who we're created to be, to restore our destiny, to restore our true legacy and identity, our inheritances of the Lord. He snatches us out of darkness and translates us back into the light where he saw us from the beginning. Jesus in the Old Testament, per se, in John, is telling them when they pray, say, you're our Father. He's trying to let us know that God is for us. That we were brought forth and birthed by God in the beginning. In Matthew 23, 9, he says, Call no man on earth your father. You. He's talking to people under the law of sin and death. He didn't shed his blood yet, but he's here. He's talking to people that are lost, degenerate. And he's telling them to call no man on. These people were cynical. They were about to crucify him when he made this comment. Hello? We're moments away from injustice towards him. Matthew 23. Just moments away from Barabbas. Well, what should we do to your king? Crucify him. And Jesus is amazing in the face of that, knowing that's about to happen. He's telling those people, call no man on earth your father. You have won. He's sowing seeds. He's prophetic. He's manifesting love. He's saying, the reason you're about to do what you're about to do is because you don't know your roots, your inheritance, and who you are. But if I be lifted up, I will draw all man unto me. I will show you who you are. He said to those sinners, You have one Father, and he is in heaven. That means I came from him, and I belong in him. And heaven is my root, destiny, created value, and inheritance. <sighs> Why do we not understand that when it's all through our Bible? Because of that corndog thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we look in the mirror and see other things in flesh. We hear voices of legalism and law. We hear people that actually have no clue. They're hurting themselves trying to read this and teach this. I know that sounded arrogant. You'll have to deal with that and ask Jesus about that comment. But it's true. Peter said it himself. The last thing you should do is try to teach the gospel if you have your own issues because you will teach through your pain. Yes. Now, How's that for straight? And you're the steward of your heart and you will answer for that one day. Don't let many of you be teachers because there is a stricter judgment in that day. And there's a lot of people that are quick to speak and slow to listen and quick to anger. You say, well, you look angry right now, Dan. I am so passionate and sober. I mean, you have no idea how serious maybe what I'm saying is. Life is hanging in the balance. Deception is wicked and evil. It's because you don't see it because you're deceived. It's, 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 it's darkness. You're not created for it. You'd be amazed how we entertain it with our language. And yet the paradox is, it's the corn dog power of life and death is in our tongue. If everything's the sovereign will of God and divine order, why'd he put the power in your tongue? If it doesn't matter what you say, it just matters what God ordains, why'd he put the power of life and death in your tongue? If men are destroyed for the lack of knowledge then how can it be the sovereign choice of god in all you're getting get understanding get the knowledge stop destruction if men reap what they sow how's that possible if everything's divine order and the sovereignty of god if it's the sovereignty of god you don't reap what you sow you reap what god intends this thing is not difficult we've made it difficult Jesus comes to set the record straight. And the things that we say about God, it's funny how in the life of Jesus you don't see him saying any of it. You just see him healing the sick and going about doing good and healing. How many? <laughs> that were oppressed of who? Certainly not God. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling better. If you had known me, do you hear that? Oh my God, do you hear that? If you had known me. Do you hear that? If you had known me. I wonder if we know him. Do you hear that? If you had known me. You would have known my father. Watch. And from now on, you know him. You see why these questions do this to me? Because from now on, we ought to know. Because that's what Jesus said. Do you hear how powerful this is? If you had known me, you'd know my father. But because he's the expressed image, and because when you, he's the visible image of the invisible God, and God in these last days hath spoken through him, he says, he's expecting this. He's calling us to this. He's saying, from now on you know him and you have seen him. We're still trying to see him through life and circumstances. We make the major blunder of saying because this went this way and this worked this way and because this didn't happen, God is obviously this. It's total deception. It subverts faith and your ability to believe and you're back to square one as if Jesus never came. You're letting life define God instead of the life of the Son of God. This thing is not rocket science. It's not hard to understand. This language is crystal clear. From now on, you know him and have, you have seen him. Philip, (laughs) have fun with me. While he's talking, Philip, a student goes, (laughs) have fun with me, I'm being lighthearted he's talking crystal clear right now. Philip goes, he says, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be sufficient. He just said, from now on you have seen him. Philip just doesn't get it. We're not blaming him. I'm just having fun with that. Watch. Look at Jesus' answer. Have I been with you So long Some of us have walked with Jesus for a lot of years Listen to him have I been with you so long You still don't know me You're still trying to find me through life You're still defining me through what did and didn't happen Come on, this is sober. You guys all right? Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? (laughs) This is so simple and clear right here. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say? Do you see how Jesus is taking this thing out? Jesus is saying, so how can you say? Show us the Father. Here's the real conviction. This gets heavier. I, I, I just wanted to show you that. I started reading at seven, not even realizing how powerful it was. So I don't have notes. I just kind of go where I hear But it's really powerful, isn't it? Watch, it gets more convicting. Here's the question from Jesus, not me. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? Are you still trying to find the Father through your life, through circumstances, through the Old Testament? Hello? Hello? Do you not believe? That's the question to the church. Do you not believe that me and the Father are one and when you see me, you've already seen him? Do you not believe? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. This wasn't Jesus' bright idea to say, go preach the kingdoms here and the first thing out of his mouth after that is heal the sick. Who was saying that? The Father. The Father. He adds 70 more and tells them the same thing. Who was saying that? The Father. He's not speaking on his own authority. He's not obstinate. He's not a renegade son. He said, I always do the things that please him, me and the Father. He's always with me. I I do his will. When the leper said, I know you can heal me if you're willing, and he said, I am willing. Who said that? And then we say, yeah, but if he doesn't heal, it means he's not willing. Well, show me that in Matthew 17 when the leper wasn't healed. That's not what it teaches. When the father's son with epilepsy wasn't healed, it doesn't teach that it wasn't the will of God. Jesus says the total opposite and proves it was the will of God. And then heals him because when he heals him, who healed him? The father, because it was the yes. Of God. We taught in Corinthians that every promise is yes and amen. That Christ was not preached yes and no. If you marry yes and no, their children are maybe so, maybe not. That's where we live. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Let's pray and see. That's a serious corn dog right there. Because the promise is to the believer. The gospel is not yes and no and maybe so. And Paul says the only reason men are yes and no is because they're indecisive because they live by the flesh. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 1. That's what he teaches right there. So it's not something to boast in when you have a maybe he will, maybe he won't theology. Because you're actually saying you've derived it from the flesh. And then Matthew 5 gets a little straighter yet and says, You better let your yes be yes and your no be no because anything else is from the devil. Jesus said that. So he takes away all middle ground so that men can believe and not question. And yet we question all the time. (laughs) Do you know how many scriptures? I'm sharing with you in examples Rather than just sharing a theory or a philosophy Do you hear how many Do you hear where I'm getting what I'm getting It's the life of Jesus I honor the life of Jesus I love you I don't honor your opinion I love you I don't honor your opinion I honor the life of Jesus But I love you I don't have to honor your opinion And I can understand some people are in pain And I can try to minister that and help that but I am not called to honor your opinion. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Be wise in the Son of God. Because here's the paradox. When you believe the contrary thing, in God and divine order and sovereignty and just this is God's will, then the more loss and the more things that are unanswered when you pray, the more it affirms that belief and you go, see, see, told you so. See, well, we all were, the whole church was praying, see. But where's the whole church praying from? (laughs) Not knowing who we are, just driven by need, once again, driven by need. No authority in that. There's no authority if there's no faith, if there's no understanding. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Everything you see in my life is the Father working. That's what Jesus is saying to his guys, okay? Watch how intimate and intense this gets. You've got to learn to read your Bible in context. One of the most dangerous things we do is we grab one scripture out and build a whole doctrine on it. It's very dangerous. It's a terrible thing to do you got to hear what's being said. Believe me that I'm in the Father. It's the Father who does the works, right? Now, he's emphasizing again. He's saying this over again. See? It's Jesus to say the same thing over and over again. That's why I preach the way I do. (laughs) Believe me that I am in the Father. Hasn't he already said this a couple times? In Romans 6, he says, you're free from sin. You're free from sin. Hey, guys, you're free from sin. You're free from sin. And we're still thinking we're sinners. (laughs) Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin. Alive unto God. Rise up and be the righteous children of God. Look good in your righteousness. I paid the price. I snatched out of darkness. You're free from sin. And we still live in sin consciousness. Yeah, Come on, help us, Jesus. The words that I speak, I don't speak on my own authority. It's the Father dwelling in me that does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me because of the life I'm living. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> the works themselves. Christians, The very first person I saw healed, I'm three months saved. I was pretty excited. Man was going to have a fusion. I was non-assuming. I'm at work. I'm not bashing people over the head with my Bible. I'm just a blessed man. And people were asking me, what's wrong with me? You're at work. Why are you happy? Because Jesus is in me. And I'm actually glad for my job now. And I appreciate the provision through my job. And. I'm doing a better job than I've ever done now. I wonder, you're whack, man. Dude, you've lost it. Yeah, I've lost me. And I've gained him. So I'm just having fun. I'm three months saved. I, I can't know that much. And a guy's distressed in his face coming across the floor. He's walking like this. And I knew he was on disability. I knew he was on light duty. I knew they they used to bring you in just to do paperwork and stuff rather than sit at home. They tried to keep people true to workman's comp rather than just on a vacation and make you put in your time. And uh, because not everybody's really hurt on workman's comp, unfortunately. So they'd make you do your time. I said, Jerry, you look distressed. What's going on, man? I just got a phone call, it's not good, they just looked at my MRIs, they didn't catch it on the other picture and they got all this evidence now that I'm bone on bone in my vertebrae, there's zero disc and they said, if I'm just in a car and the brakes hit hard, that can shift and paralyze me. They said it's so fragile, they need to do an immediate emergency fusion. So someone's supposed to this, so and so's taking me right over and they're gonna set me up and do a fusion in my back and I thought man I didn't even know they'd pull something off that quick but it's like they stopped the world to fuse his back because it was that bad and I asked him if anybody's ever prayed for him I'm three months saved and he said well I don't know I guess my mom prays for me bless his heart and I said no no I mean pray for your back has anybody ever prayed about your back he said well no I said can we pray he said here I said why not I'm three months saved guys how much can I know But my heart's changed. I have something in me now called the kingdom and I don't even totally understand it but I know it's there, something's there. I'm excited, I'm encouraged to believe. It's in my instinct now. (laughs) Just to go for it, Jesse, just wonder if. Just what if. You know, if that's just the best it is right now, who knows that that's awesome. That's sure better than just being theologically brainwashed in a way of, well, brother, you have to understand that sometimes you go through things for reasons, and God has a mysterious reason for this, and if you hold on tight, one day you'll find out why he's putting you through all this. You show me that in Jesus' life, that mentality. When they cried for mercy, did he show mercy? Yes. When they said, help me, did he help? Yes. Then why do we say anything else? Because our circumstances have gone different. And now we're letting them define God instead of Jesus, and we're getting our eyes off of truth. Who's the truth? Yeah. This thing's, not, I know you're hearing today. I can tell you're hearing. So I pray for Jerry, and guess what he does? He turns, he looks at me like, I prayed something so probably seemingly pitiful to us it's not patty you'll appreciate this you will i just seriously i said you know lord i just appreciate your love for us and you said i can lay hands on the sick and pray and whatever i ask believing you'll do it and that the sick will recover and i probably kind of half quoted blended two scriptures or something because it was my foundation for why I could even do that in my young three-month-old heart, and I said, so "Thanks for making Jerry's back hole, or better, or whatever." I said, and he looked at me like, "That's it?" I don't know why. I think he thought, like, "Oh God!" <laughs> I don't know what he thought, and, and he looked at me like, "Is that it?" And I'm looking at him like, "That's all I got." <laughs> that's the best I can give you buddy I got nothing else (laughs) I'm binky baby I'm like you know and and here's what Jerry did he said well thanks man like thanks for the gesture you know what I do now in public you ought to see how I come across sometimes to people Especially if it's a guy, I won't do it too usually with a girl, but I'll take their arm. I'll just, they're like, kind of like, I'm patronized, like, well, nice gesture, and I'll, squeeze, I'll grab their arm. It, and it's just amazing. People don't get offended, they get captured. I say, look at me, sir. This is not a kind gesture. The kingdom's coming. That's just what I do, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was anointed. <laughs> I showered my sisters <laughs> <laughs> showers of mercy and grace I just, oh. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know this is all I got so guess what Jerry does he turns to walk and guess how he walks the exact same way and I'm watching him and don't think that's not in my mind thinking well I gave her a shot so i didn't have a revelation but i was there i was trying i was i was at least there at least i was in the ballpark guys it's not works it's his mercy it's his grace it's his amazing love i'm in the ballpark man i i got i took a swing i'm not gonna hit a home run if i don't get at the plate if i don't swing the bat there's no hit We think it's about healing. No, it's about getting your hands on the sick. The first sign of a believer isn't healing the sick. It's getting your hand on them. The fact that we don't put our hands on them tells we're in derision and we're still trying to figure this thing out. Just get your hand on somebody. Look, look, go. Let's just get in the car and go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then let's get our hand on somebody. Yes. That's a believer. Yeah. You follow me? Now watch this. I'm at work for a while, three hours. I look up and see Jerry walking to me. He's walking to me. Dan, I need to talk to you. This is amazing. I said, buddy, what's going on? He said, there was all kind of derision in there. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. There's confusion. I could tell something wasn't. And I finally asked, what's going on? I interjected when somebody passed through because I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's a lot of discussion. They got the light board on. They got all these pictures. He said, Dan, they took those pictures to make sure what everything was and looked like just to know when they go into me Just what they're expecting, looking at. So they ran some more pictures. They had all the other pictures up there. He said, it's flat, bone on bone. It's nothing there. And on all these new pictures, I have a perfectly, totally, completely normal disc. And isn't it amazing that he's still like this till he gets there. They take the picture, he's sitting in his chair. And he doesn't even feel changed. But when he gets up, He's totally whole. He comes back to work on regular duty. From a fusion to regular duty. And when I prayed for him, he walked away like this. And we're going to hit that. And we're going to hit that whole thing all this week about that stuff. And not, not get in your head and what it means to hold on to faith. Because that's where we stumble. Because we say, when that happens, here's what we say. Wonder why God didn't heal. And we already show that we're sitting ducks and vulnerable and we have no foundation of understanding. Well, that means we're living by our experience. We're living by our senses. We're living by our reasoning. You follow me? And I need to hit that. That's another topic. Did you have a comment, a question?
1: Hey, so do you, do you ever pursue after people like when you go up and talk to them to pray for them, if they totally don't want you to pray for them do you ever pursue it farther than that and pray yeah, for them I'm gonna anyway? I'm
0: gonna get into all that this okay. week I'm gonna really teach on that stuff this week okay mm-hmm. so I, I don't want to go there right now just because I want to nail something here but that's a great question and yeah it is it's a good question and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that because yes actually there is times and and you don't put people under a textbook when I teach on this you'll realize it's not a Five things to do, textbook thing. Everybody's an individual. There's discernment, there's sincere love. You're not a plastic Christian, you're not a Christian robot, you're a lover. So you learn in love to discern situations and people. And you'd be amazed how far I press things sometimes. And there's sometimes I turn turn totally away immediately and just say, well, look, God bless you, man. Have an awesome day. It's just discernment. There's no right or wrong. It's not even, it's such a liberty in it that it's not even about failing ever. A lot of the reason we don't do the stepping out thing because we're afraid to fail. It's not about failing, it's about loving. I tell people, man, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm afraid to not believe. Because every sign follows the believer. If I'm busy worrying about failing, I'm not going to believe nothing. And if I'm worried about failing, who am I conscious of? Oops. Okay. Okay. But watch this. So Jerry's healed, totally restored, comes back to work. He tells everybody in my workplace, 346 employees, and everyone had a reason and an excuse why it couldn't have possibly been God. Everybody. But see, that's not frustrating to me because Jerry knows. Today, right here in Gettysburg, he's an elder, to my knowledge, in, an elder in a church. He was, he's been, he's doing good. Came alive in the Lord. So the 300 and some that responded a certain way, that's not the issue. Jerry's touched and transformed. After I left the workplace, I found people were getting saved. I found them at the March for Jesus, countywide prayer rallies. I was bumping into my coworkers, born again, and everyone said, "Your life tore me up. I was afraid of persecution. I thought, "Why am I letting men keep me from God when I know it's time to get right?" And these men were getting saved even after I left. So see, if you look with your eyes and think with your mind, you're going to be deceived but if you live out of your heart you're a very encouraged person because you're sowing seed and seed's getting watered and God's causing increase because that's how the kingdom works some people are reaping where they haven't even sown and we're all rejoicing together because God's on the planet and he's moving on the hearts of men or we're watching Jerry going well that didn't work the Bible says if I lay my hands on the sick they recover when do I ever let go of faith? so just because he's walking like that do I believe God didn't move? Or do I rejoice and thank God that he's doing something wonderful in Jerry's back? I wonder what happens if I'm the believer representing the kingdom and the believer stumbles in unbelief when I'm carrying the authority. I wonder if I do that in Jerry's situation. Because Jerry doesn't have a clue. I'm the one giving the kingdom to him. The sign follows the believer. It has nothing to do with Jerry. So when I get deceived and I cut off faith, I wonder what happens now. Wow. That's a corn dog. Dude, I'll never forget that illustration. Only you, buddy. I love you. You're a good guy. I really appreciate Shane. You have no idea. We were talking a lot the other day. It was just fun talking to him. John, you there? You still there? Yes. I got finished this. Is it break time? Oh, it's getting close. 14, John 14. Three minutes. Three minutes. Then you're in trouble. You're probably while I'm talking gonna have to get out and go potty. (laughs) (laughs) You can sneak out if you want. I gotta finish this up quick, real quick. Watch this. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works. The reason I told you the Jerry story, the first Christian that heard it came up to me and said, Man, you've only been saved three months. You need to be careful. The guy's disc is recreated. I prayed in the name of Jesus. And the first Christian that heard about it came to me and said, Man, you've only been saved three months. You need to be careful. You know the devil can heal. The first person. And I looked at him and smiled. Three months saved. I'm proud of the Holy Ghost in me in this. I'm three months saved. I'm Vinky baby, right? I'm like huggies, spiritual huggies on. I'm like, I mean, I'm three months. And I looked at him and I said, sir, if the devil is healing and moving anywhere but out of here when I'm praying in the name of Jesus, we ought to just pack our bags and go home and give up. If the devil's healing in the name of Jesus, what is that? That's fear. That's whacked. It's weird. I live my life so steadfast as a Christian since I've been saved that it doesn't take long to be around me to see that I'm for real, and I'm not being arrogant. It's just true. Every work environment I've ever been in has gotten greatly impacted because of being there in Christ. Because I don't compromise. I don't. I don't compromise nothing. I live in Jesus. I have joy. I love people, he gives me discernment. The last job I worked, I watched forklift drivers in the middle of their job break down and cry because of words of knowledge. I saw people healed in the aisles, two supervisors, born again, crying, trembling. One man fell on the floor under the power of God in his office, born again. Just fun. Just because I'm living Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when I lived this way at my workplace, 11 Christians came out of the closet. Which is a good thing. But watch. I would have never dreamed and imagined they were Christians. And when I heard they went to church, I was shocked. I'm being real. That's why you hear Todd always saying, he's not being condemning. He said, there's no 007 Christianity. He said, if you're the only one at work that knows you're a Christian, something's wrong. That's, that's not condemning. That's sobering. Because you're, you're, you're teaching yourself religion instead of real life. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. But 11 Christians rose up out of the woodwork. And I wasn't condemning them. I was happy that they had the boldness to rise and shine. So in the midst of the workplace, they confessed, you know what? Dan, you've convicted our hearts. We need to come clean. We've been living in the dark. We've been hiding out. We go to church every week. We're Christians. I was like, wow. Found out the head of the the whole plant, the guy that was overseeing the whole thing, was a Christian. So I went up and talked to him. said, look, God, there's a move of God going on, man. Hearts are waking up. God's moving. Jerry's healed, and people are coming alive and out of the woodwork. I said, can we uh, gather up here in the room and have... uh, Prayer and encourage one another before work for anybody that wants to come? He said, absolutely. He says, absolutely. I said, thank you. So me and these 11, (laughs) 11 minus Judas, I guess, you know. (laughs) We all were gathering. We gathered about three weeks and I thought it'd be a good idea to take communion together and just share covenant because I was teaching and sharing. I'm three months saved. And when I shared my revelation on covenant and communion, and God's will to heal, that was the end of our prayer meeting. And it was really amazing, all the stuff I heard. And I was was young in the Lord. And isn't isn't it fun that you're that young in the Lord and when they said those things, I was like, huh? I wasn't like, oh, really? Wow, oh, yeah. Hmm. And construed or constrained into something, no, it was like, huh, what, but Jesus, yeah, but then, but Jesus, yeah, but then, but Jesus, so guess what they did, I love what they did, they were so gracious, they didn't bash me, they weren't rude, they just said, look, we can no longer sit under what you're teaching and be a part of this prayer group, and don't be hurt, don't be offended, I said, man, I'm not hurt and offended, I was having the time of my life, but I didn't want that to happen, who knows, I'm still going to pray for the Jerry's of the world, Who knows that what they believe doesn't change Jerry and the situation? What I believe did (laughs) Who knows how easy is it to sit back and theologically debate and never touch Jerry? (laughs) That's right. Oh, I'm on it now, I'm on a roll. (laughs) So watch. So a week later this guy comes up to me and says, Man, I hope you're not hurt. We just don't we just we just feel like you're off base, man. And we can't sit, if you're off base, we just can't meet under that. And uh, I said, man, that's fine. You're entitled to that. That's, I'm not threatened by it. I'm not, it's okay, man. And he said, well, you're just claiming to, to have too much of a grip on some stuff. You're barely saved, man. And, and, and eye hasn't seen, and ear hasn't even heard, and you're claiming to, I said, what did you just say? He said, I, had, I turned right to it. I had just been reading it and I turned right to it, and I said, I said, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're still in a mystery, bud, I'm sorry, but those things are being illuminated to my heart. His mm-hmm. Holy Spirit's in me, and he's alive. Yeah. And he went. <laughs> and here's what he said. He said, but we've all agreed to continue to pray for you as a group. <laughs> Watch. Watch. I knew he was coming from a wrong angle, but watch what he said. He was so gracious with it. He said, "We've continued. To, we're going to continue to pray for you that you would come to the knowledge of truth." <laughs> and I, my heart was like, Yee-hoo! "But I was realizing, just like, man, that's awesome. Thanks. Keep praying that. I appreciate it. Pray for me." And I walked away. I thought, "Yes, they're praying for me to come to the knowledge of truth. This thing is on now." <laughs> So it so encouraged me. Okay. Now 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 watch. And I know I'm getting late and Donna has to go to the bathroom. So and Jesus loves Donna. He does. Watch. Watch giver. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you were a baby Christian, you could just sit there, God would change you. <laughs> Look, she's trying to be a baby now. Watch this. Now watch. Jesus kicks this thing off saying, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my father, right? We went through all this. Have I been with you so long that you don't know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Do you not believe I'm in the father, and the father's in me? And the words that I speak, I don't even speak of my own authority. It's the Father. Believe me, I'm in the Father, and he's in me, or else believe for the sake of the works themselves. Now watch. Most assuredly, now he's flipping right to them. This is amazing. It's like all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go, therefore. Do you hear what he's doing? He's saying, you're in me and I'm in you. We're one. You're the body of Christ. I've seen this thing before the foundation of the world. I was slain before the foundation of the world. This thing was all rolled out way back when. Now watch. Most assuredly, I say to you, who? He, he, he. That means whoever. He who uh oh, believes in, he says me. What's he saying? He who believes in me, and when you see me, you see the Father. He who sees the Father through me and has faith because they've seen the Father through me and knows the Father through me, that's who believes. He who believes in me, who I am in the Father, and who the Father is in me. And we're still talking about the Old Testament. The new covenant of blood is here. The new and living way is here. Oh, come on. This thing is so simple. I say to you, he who believes in me. Oh my goodness. This is red letters. This is Jesus. This is not my sermon notes. This is not my doctrine. I found this in John 14 one day in my bedroom. And I freaked out because nobody ever had the boldness to just teach this to me. Everybody taught me life instead of Jesus I say to you he he see now you're going to trump what Jesus said with the opinions of your mind and the loss that you've suffered now this thing's really meeting the road right now he who believes in me he who believes see we just revealed that we don't believe in him most of the time Oh, we believe he died on the cross. We believe we need a savior. We're sorry for our sin. We want to go to heaven. I understand that. He's talking way deeper than that, guys. Isn't it funny how we skipped the stone and made the gospel all about getting to heaven anyway instead of carrying the kingdom? It's not the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the kingdom that's supposed to be preached to every nation. When I say salvation, I mean going to heaven. Salvation doesn't even mean just go to heaven. That's what we think it means. So when we hear, you know, the word salvation, we're just trying to get everybody to pray a prayer to go to heaven, and we're not imparting the kingdom, teaching the kingdom, and when we do teach the kingdom, we rebut one another because our experiences don't agree. But who's right? Jesus or our experiences? So do you give the experience the right to determine God, or do you give the right for God to determine the experience? Always. Right answer. So most assuredly, that means truly. Most certainly. You can bet your life on it. Truly. Jesus is saying this. Truly. It's, it's out of the integrity of who he is. And God can't lie. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me. That's what we're struggling with. We're coming to the place of believing. And we've heard each other in that topic. Somebody, well, you just don't have faith. Well, if you had faith, you could be healed. Well, you need to get some faith, brother. Well, this wouldn't happen to you if you had faith. We've talked like that to each other and we've hardened each other's hearts to where you can't even talk about this without hackles coming up and a fence in the room. Yeah. And we're still alive to ourselves and we're really not alive unto God. I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I, he did, he's, is he talking to the 12 right now or he who believes? Oh, this thing is, this is on, this thing is on. I feel calculated. This is good. <laughs> is he talking to the disciples or he who believes? He believes. <laughs> is he saying any one of you or is he saying he who believes? Is he opening this thing wider than the little group he's talking to? Yes. Come on. Oh, this thing is on. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. He's going to sit in the heavenly tabernacle of God with his blood on the mercy seat and his flesh and bone body on that seat representing man to God and God to man as a high priest forever, unchangeable, able to save to the uttermost completely and forever those who come to him by faith. That's Hebrews 7. And greater works because it goes to the Father. And whatever. What? That isn't whatever. (laughs) That's Whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, okay, now watch. He didn't say whatever he asked believing. He says that in Matthew 21. It's because he says it in verse 12. So it's not just using the name of Jesus synonymous to abracadabra. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about believing in his name. Believing in who he is and who the father is through his name. Believing. Whatever you ask, believing in his name. Those that believe in me. You, that's why you don't have to pray stuff as much as we think. You just have to see who he is. Jesus name you could have love I could meet her in a public place she could have so much pain and I could just say honey can I just see your hand Jesus name bam you get it I I could tell you so many stories of that right there just that right there so a lady fourth stage cancer in a healing service I preached on the power of his name and a high priest unto God and the power of him being a high priest a lady came up with cancer and I looked and I just wept. And tears rolled down my eyes because of who he is. And I just preached the Revelation was so alive and in the room. I just said, Jesus. Jesus. I just squeezed her hand and never prayed. Totally healed. That tries to elude us and come and go. And then we call it a gift. And who knows we can walk in that Revelation. got myself confused one time I saw two people blind get their eyes open and, and then I saw somebody right after that get their eyes open and I went whoo I started to pray for every blind person I saw which you would too I parked the car and got out he's walking down the street with a stick excuse me excuse me I'm just approaching you. Hello. My name's Dan. Everything's fine. I just wanted to talk to you. I've did it several times I was over jogging on the track. I'm all sweaty, The lady's walking down blind. I ran the whole way. I saw her. I thought, "She's blind." I'm Phew! and I'm praying and their eyes didn't pop open and my mind's going bananas. You know what I mean? It started to create a stronghold in me then where I didn't even know if I could pray for the blind now. But I saw them (laughs) blowing. Who knows that's not God. (sighs) I had to go seek Him and get, and we can talk about all that this week. I'm really getting late. If you ask, watch this. And whatever you ask in my name, that I would do. Look at this. Oh my goodness. That the Father may be glorified through the Son, remember Shane's analogy, watch, that the Father may be glorified through the Son, whatever you ask, he's talking about the things I do, what was Jesus doing, healing, delivering, setting free, now we say our sickness is glorifying God, and no one has ever been able to explain that to me, how you're glorifying God in your sickness, They say, well, because I'm maintaining good character and joy. When was that ever an option? You're supposed to be dead to yourself and alive to him. When was character and joy and disposition ever an option? When's that ever for sale? Does that need expressed through sickness or should that just be a given? That's just a mark of being surrendered and loving not your own life unto death. No one's ever explained to me how they're glorifying God in their sickness. Nobody's ever explained to me how they can believe sickness is the will of God and why we all go to the doctor then to get better if we're trying to get out of the will of God or what. If sickness is the will of God, why aren't you trying to stay sick? I'm confused. I am. I'm confused. That's pretty good. That's sickness. If, if, If God's doing it, To teach you, why are you trying to get out of the lesson? So back up what you say you believe with your life instead of talking cheap and selling yourself out of authority and faith when it's in your spirit. How's that? We better take a break now. (laughs) Take a break. (laughs) If we can, we'll just bless you. and We'll just send you home. Can we do that on Thursday? Good deal. Ah. John, chapter One, real quick. Oh, took my little thing off to give my ear. for some reason I was feeling it on my ear. John, chapter one, quick. I feel like I nailed this thing down pretty good, but I want to uh, I want to just read. We covered all this. But I'm doing it again on purpose, all right? Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Nah, verse (laughs) 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When? The beginning. He was in the beginning, so the truth was in him, that he is the truth, and that truth's in God, and God's the truth. It's all there from the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or overtake it. There was a man sent from from God whose name was John. Yeah, thank God he didn't come from John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Why'd he come? For a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Oh my. That was the true light which gives light to every man Coming into the world. Wow. He was in the world. How many men coming into the world? So God's heart is to illuminate every man. It's not God's desire that any man would perish, but that all men would repent, be saved, and come to the knowledge of truth. True? Wow. Is everybody saved and filled with the knowledge of truth? Wow. Then everything that God desires isn't happening. Hmm, interesting. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Wow. He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. But isn't it amazing that even though the world didn't know him, he was in the world? Why? Because he knew the world. Wow. Come on. If, if it's just some... If it's just that impersonal and that indifference, why would he be here? He's so loved. God sent and gave his son to redeem us, to get us home, to get us back, that whoever would believe would never perish but have life. And he did not come into the world to give the world what she earned or deserved, to condemn her, but that through this one, the son, that the world might be saved. (laughs) The heart of God. He came to his own, his own, so he made... Everything was made through him And the world did not know him That's because of the fall of man He came to his own And his own did not receive him But he still told him to pray to God as their father And he still said you have no other father but God Wow Seems like they didn't have a clue Seems like he knew Oh this is rich to me But guess what As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. There's a place that says we're heirs to God, join heirs with Christ, that our spirits crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. You must be what? Born again. As many as received him, to them gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So man wasn't willing this. God's ordained it that we'd be in him from the foundation of the world, that we'd be found in him, that his goodness would be revealed, that his grace would be revealed in the fullness of time. Ephesians 1 is a powerful chapter. You ought to camp there a lot. I've probably read Ephesians 1 three or four hundred times in meditation, in private, with God, with just a very wide open heart, just being loved by God through Ephesians 1. For years, Ephesians 1, probably for a solid year, I prayed and meditated and and kicked off my prayer times with Ephesians 1, probably for a year. Oh, it's so powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Another one was Romans uh, 5, down to about verse 10. I would just meditate and read that. and Oh, what a... Section of scripture. There's a bunch of them, but those I camped in for a long time. Okay, watch this. But of the will of God. So we didn't sign a petition and airmail it to heaven and say, God, look, we're really humble down here. We're broken. We're, we're, we're we really we need truth. Would you send truth? No, God sent truth. And when truth came, they went, huh? So who initiated this whole thing? God. He's so loved. And the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. So he became flesh. He had a body, but he didn't live by the flesh. He lived by the spirit, but he had a flesh body, right? Which means we can have a flesh body and don't have to live by it. We can live by the spirit. He said, follow me. Paul said, if we live by the flesh, we'll die. But if we live by the spirit, life and peace. The devil's biggest trap is to get people to stay flesh conscious and live by limitation in the flesh and fail to receive the grace and righteousness of God. And wreck your identity so you can never move in the authority, the freedom, the peace and the finished work of Christ. God forbid. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He happens to be the firstborn among Amen. many. Romans 8 says that you and I are predestined, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what was my destiny from before time? To look like Jesus. Come on, this is so simple and clear. And those he predestined, he called those who called he justified just as if you've never sinned don't be afraid of that teaching you want to live as if sin never was that doesn't make you disregard your own life that doesn't make you live cheap that actually puts integrity in your heart and causes you to live more sober than ever before because I'm reckoning myself dead to sin. I don't see myself for sin. I see myself for him. You get this? I'm a slave to righteousness. It means I'm bound and chained to righteousness, to serve it all the days of my life. I'm forever right in the sight of God. A million years from now, I'll be worshiping the lamb that was slain and praising him for his holy blood that has me in and not out. And it won't be redundant. <laughs> Worthy is the Lamb. People say, "What are we going to do in heaven?" I don't know. Wonder if for a millennium or two we just sing, "Worthy is the Lamb," and we're wrecked because we're in the greatest revelation of our lives. I wonder if a millennium slips by and it seems like a day. It's scriptural, isn't it? Wow! Ha ha! Becky, she's going with that one. She's like, oh. That one just dropped in. <laughs> Come on. When we see him as he is, we'll be like him. Like him.
1: <sighs> oh. Oh. Praise
0: the Do you get that? So, so trying to figure out what heaven's going to be like. This, when we see him as he is, it's like, duh. I mean, like, a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like, I'm talking about in the fullness. There's, a, there's a full. There's where, where corruptible is made incorruptible, and immor- uh, mortality is clothed with immortality. Brand new bodies, never touched by sin. Everything's, everything's in the full, completest place it can be. No more consciousness of, no more, no more even reverb of failure, condemnation, regret. Oh, yeah. In His light, and and none of this, no, no, none of this, this, none of this, none of this electrical stuff. It'll be, yeah, none of this. Thank you. I agree. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah, thanks. None of that. Watch, because it'll all be lit by the face of the Son of God. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> no more flashlights cause there's nothing dark about him God you're amazing you better be glad there's no turning or shifting of shadowing God people say well it sure looks like he's changed over the ages if you look at the old new testament No, the Old Testament is what man has brought upon himself through disobedience, sin, failing to understand, and all that stuff. God's never changed from the beginning. Did you just see that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Who is the Word? It's Jesus. And who is Jesus? The Father revealed. So what we see in the life of Jesus in the Gospels was who God has been since the beginning. And he predestined us before the foundation of the world and the lamb was slain before time. (laughs) Ah, It was his good pleasure to reveal his goodness and his kindness and his love for us. Ephesians 1, Orecchia. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And look, we beheld his glory as the glory of the, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. As the only begotten, we're predestined to be conformed to his image. I said this predestined, called, called, justified, justified, glorified. How are you glorified? By filling you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. By giving you that seal for your day of redemption. By marking you as a a wheat, not a Mm tear. You're a keeper fish. (laughs) (laughs) You measure up through Christ. You're not going to be too short, throw you back. You're a keeper. you oh. you're sealed for that day of redemption. There's life in you. There's light in you now. The Kingdom's in you. Wow. You're His. I'm yours. Right? You sing some of them songs over and over so you get brainwashed and actually believe them. You don't just sing because it's worship service. You believe what you're singing. <laughs> and you, you sing that stuff in your car when nobody's looking. Instead of wondering if you're worthy, wondering if you still qualify, wondering. Oops. (laughs) It's the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said. He who comes after me is preferred before me. What's he say? This was he. Remember how we looked this week or last week? Uh, John was in prison and sent two disciples to ask if he's the one. When you're sitting in prison, you start to ask questions that you already know the answer of. When your life's going through trials, the biggest temptation is to question things that are already affirmed in your heart and established. Did John know it was him? Does he say it? This is he? Isn't it amazing? From prison, he sent two disciples to ask a question that he already proclaimed was true and they knew. Adversity and hardship can try to shift your mind and get you to live again and think rational and have opinions and ask questions that you already settled before. Life has the power to do that if you're not careful. That's why we need to be rooted and grounded in love, firmly established in the faith and not moved away from the hope on which we heard. Life will try to pull you away, friends and your mind starts reasoning and buts and well ifs and yeah buts and how comes and next thing you know you're sending two people to go ask a question you already proclaimed publicly. (coughs) He's preferred before me. He was before me. It sounds like John's talking from a revelation here. Mm -hmm. Peter says, he says, who do men say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say, some say one of the prophets. There's a lot of opinions about Jesus. Who do men say Jesus is? Today, some people say, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. They say a lot of things about Jesus. People are saying a lot of stuff about Jesus. But Then he asks the most vital question. He says, but who do you, who do you say that I am? Forget what men are saying for a second. Who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you see what he's doing? Are you going to ride men's opinions? Or are you going to seek him to know him so that you have a revelation? He said, who do men say to am?" Well, who do you say I am? Because your answer to that question is so vital because it'll determine the kingdom flow in your life. It'll determine your life. Your answer to that question. Peter said, you're the Christ, son of the living God. <laughs> Peter, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, blessed are you. For flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Three verses later, he's sentimentally trying to keep Jesus from the cross. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Satan. For you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. See how man can think for himself and still have a revelation of something and still shift gears and think for himself? Jesus addressed it, didn't he, quickly. He wasn't being harsh with Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He's talking about the mindset, the concept. The place Peter was thinking from—he's literally calling demonic, because it's self-serving, sensually driven, right? James three—it's not the wisdom from above. Get behind me, Satan! You're not even thinking for the kingdom; you're just thinking for yourself. He's thinking for man, which means Peter's plea wasn't wasn't really pure at all. He was saying that for himself. Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to him, and. He sentimentally loved him, and he didn't want to see him hurt. So it sounds like a friend protecting a friend, but it had self-interest in it, or Jesus wouldn't have said what he said. You got it? Isn't it amazing Jesus knew all that, defended against that, and set his face to Jerusalem for a people that were going to turn him over, and he saw that we're actually going to crucify him, but yet knows who we can be in Him and who we are in Him from the foundation of the world and knows that redemption is going to come. If He would just die, we could live. Love is amazing. I sit and I meditate on this stuff. I am in love. I promise you I'm in love with Jesus. He's he's amazing. He's not just my Savior. He's so much more. (laughs) Oh, thank you. and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. (laughs) For the law was given through Moses. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So keep your Old Testament questions, okay? Because grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, hold on. You don't have permission to ask another Old Testament question in this school. We'll throw you out of the school and show you no mercy. <laughs> we will crucify you on a cross in the parking lot on the hot summer day. <laughs> Watch this. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through. Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Now watch, no one. See, isn't it amazing how God strategically writes the Bible? Verse 17 and 18 are so complementary and powerful. He just is building all the time. The law was given through Moses, but, that's a good yell, but, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. Why? Because Christ hasn't, hadn't come. No one had seen God at any time. That means seeing God how he is, who he is, what he is. No one at any time. Well, it says Moses saw him face, face. it says Abraham ate lunch with him one day. No one has seen God at any time. Because the son hadn't come yet. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him to us. And we're asking Old Testament questions still. And God's come out like he is. Ta-da. This is me. When you see me, you've already seen the father. The expressed image of his person, the outrank of his brightness do you see how many places I took you that preached that there's so many places Jesus spoke that especially the book of John I'll show you one more thing it's, well, let me see which one I want to yeah let's just go to I was seeing which one which one I wanted to go to because thank you God yeah let's well let's just go to Matthew 17 where this will work and I'm not going to preach the epileptic but I'm going way before that let's just do this there's a couple of examples I, I wanted to give you but I'm thinking one more I'll just do fine Verse 1, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. (laughs) Bless his heart. We'd have done the same thing in his day. We can't laugh at Peter, we just laugh with him. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. God's not rude, but he interrupted him and cut him off. Why he was still speaking. (laughs) God's not being rude. He's making a statement. Peter's sincere. Who knows Peter's sincere in his heritage culture build a tabernacle? Moses, Elijah, Jesus. All three. <laughs> While he's still speaking, it was pretty dramatic. This bright cloud overshadowed them. <laughs> it was really dramatic because these guys were like greatly afraid. <laughs> Look, Peter's like, wow. It's really good we're here. So we build a tabernacle. And while he's speaking. Okay. Do you get the picture? Am I exaggerating it or probably not doing it justice? Thank you. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly... Wow, I wonder if what Peter was saying provoked the cloud. (laughs) I'm thinking. (laughs) Suddenly, a voice came out of the cloud saying, Well, you better be careful of every voice you hear, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Have mercy on us, (laughs) God. Suddenly, a voice came out of the cloud saying, Watch. Moses, Elisha, and Jesus. Are we shaming Moses and Elisha? Did they have a purpose and a point to play? Were they pointing to the one that was to come? Were they prophesying and speaking to the fathers through the prophets of but now in these last days God has spoken through his son. Moses is there. Elijah is there. Moses modeled a lot of Christ-like stuff. Pointed to Christ many times. Priest role stuff. All that good stuff. Elisha. Prophetic. Hearts of the fathers. Back to the children. Children back to the fathers. It's all good. Watch. So we're not demeaning Moses and Elisha. But they're here to play a role. To point to him. That's right. And we're still asking Old Testament questions. Can I say this and sound a little rude? shame on us in the sense of what are we doing why are we still asking that stuff when there's so much clarity and God has gone out of his way through his son in the flesh to make this point when I say Old Testament questions I'm meaning comparing Old Testament writing to new covenant reality that's what I mean by that right you understand what I'm saying there It's not wrong to have questions about the Old Testament when you're using Old Testament language to build a case against the truth of New Testament covenant. That's a bad mistake. Watch. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased? Well pleased. Watch. Hear him. Moses is there. Elisha's is there. The reason they're here along the way is to point to the one who was to come. Everything about the Old Testament, you're, if, you're, if you're interpreting it right, should point to the coming son. The Old Testament should point to Jesus. The whole focal point of the Bible is Jesus. <laughs> so now... He's not disregarding Moses and Elijah, but Jesus is here. So it's not about three tabernacles. Hear him. They pointed to him. He's here now. Hear him. Because in these last days, I've spoken through him. He's the truth, not a truth. Whew. Man, this thing is clear. When his disciples heard it, they fell on their faces. And we're greatly afraid. And Jesus came. He's so awesome. He touched him and said, come on, don't be afraid. (laughs) When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Boy, we should learn from that one right there. That might be the most powerful thing said all morning. When you lift up your eyes, make sure you see nothing but Jesus. looking unto Jesus the and the who for the joy set despised the shame the pain the consternation the trials the whatever is involved right? for the joy set before him who are we to look to? If we draw back, there's no pleasure in his soul if we draw back because he can't fulfill destiny through us. But we aren't those who draw back, Hebrews 10, but move forward believing in the face of loss, in the face of life, trials, circumstances, stuff. We don't draw back. We move on believing, watch, to the Saving of our soul. When you draw back, you keep yourself in derision. When you draw back, you'll never be established. When you draw back, you'll never come to the knowledge of truth. You'll never grow up like this. Because you're established. That's why I said, if you're going through sickness, make sure you're praying for the sick. It's your statement that you believe God's a healer. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. Yeah. That's right. That makes you a believer. Yes. A hypocrite's a play actor. We believe through the things we don't understand. The things we can't explain. We believe because he's Lord, because he sent the truth to us through Jesus. We believe to the saving of the soul. What it means is our minds will come into alignment and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And we'll get back to the place where our eye is so single. And when we look up with our eyes, all we see is Jesus. You following? Okay. Did you see that? When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but... You know what we do? We lift up our eyes, think with our mind, and miss Jesus or contest Jesus or counterproductively. You following? Okay, I got to do this last part here because we're talking about seeing Jesus. Hebrews chapter two. We hit one, but we'll go to two. If one's good, I'm sure two's got something good in there. Yeah. Verse one. Therefore, we we who. Wow. Hebrews one is awesome, man. It's almost like you could read the whole thing and just rejoice. He's ruling with a scepter of righteousness. Man. God said, I will be to him a father. He shall be a son to me. He's the firstborn among many. The spirit of God's in us crying out, Abba, Father. God's fathered us. We're his children. His throne is forever. It's all Hebrews 1. He's rowing with the scepter of righteousness. He's loved righteousness. He's hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the awe of gladness. Man, when you love righteousness and despise and stay away from lawlessness, it sounds like your gladness will be running high. Why? Because your conscience is crystal clear. Because you have boldness to enter into the throne room. Because you understand the high priest is there on your behalf. You have total access to God because he wants you in his presence. If somebody somebody would have told me that growing up, I would have thought it was a heretic blasphemous because I was programmed different and taught different. I'm sure glad I got alone in the bedroom and read my Bible. Somebody was scamming me and probably didn't realize it. But somebody knew. (laughs) Somebody knew they were giving me a corn dog. (laughs) Dude, I love you. Wow. And then there's ministering angels they're sent to minister to us, right? All this good stuff. Therefore, because all this is true. You see why I just did a summary of chapter one? Why did I do that? Because verse one is a therefore. So we gotta know what it's there for. Therefore, because this is so true, this is so powerful, we, why we? What do we have to do with this? Because Because we're one with Him. Because He never lost sight of us. We were predestined to be in Him before time ever was. Before you were seen, God saw you in Him. Hello? Or He wouldn't be the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Predestined to be adopted as sons and daughters. Snatched out of darkness into the light. Therefore, we, we must give what? The more earnest heed to the things we've heard. Least life take advantage of us our mindsets human reasoning rationale sometimes the encouragement of human wisdom from a best friend maybe (laughs) I'm just being real a well intended like a Peter no this shall never happen to you well you shouldn't have to go through that well they need to knock it off well God doesn't expect you well I can't believe they're doing that to you well they need oh my God I can't imagine how that must hurt you That's what Peter was doing to Jesus. When you do that to your friends who are in trouble in their marriage, you're doing the same thing. Rather than teaching them mercy, love, and the heart of God. You're actually giving them permission to be broken and telling them you agree. You're in strengthening their position and you're not even giving them Jesus. How's that for sober? The more earnest heed to the things we've heard, least we what? Let it slip. slip. That's a good translation. Or drift away. For if the word spoken through angels prove steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, watch this. It's because there's no other way, guys. There's no other answer for salvation. There's no other truth. There's no other way. He's not being mean right now. He's being real. He says, if we go on sinning willfully after the knowledge of truth and think there's some other way, it's the blood. It's, it's the finished work of Christ. If we remain, just stay in the same after the good news comes, there's no other answer for us. Watch this. Yeah, that's what it says. How shall we escape if we what? Neglect. Now watch. That means God is wooing men's hearts. And you have the ability to neglect it. You have the ability to not adhere your convictions. You have the ability to sear your own conscience like a hot branding iron. You have the ability to hear one thing from the Lord and do another thing in your flesh. He's talking about your place in this. He's telling you to set your mind on the things above. Here he's saying if we neglect the conviction of Holy Spirit and the ministry of truth if we're neglecting this when it's the truth of salvation then where is that going to leave us? because it's the answer do you understand? you don't want to neglect this thing I'm heading somewhere with this just, they're just teaching a long way it's just so good all this stuff is. Do you, do you see how many places you can turn and it's just life everywhere you go Oh, man. We ought to grab the book and just get it in us. Which first began to be spoken by the Lord. Wow. So this salvation he's referring to, it was pointed to and indicated all through the Old Testament, but who first began to speak about it? Oh, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Look, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him so God actually expects men to believe men when they talk about Jesus according to the word he rebuked his own disciples for not believing the ones who had seen him after he raised because we struggle in the areas of healing and suffered so much loss when somebody shares a healing testimony the church says well how do I know that really happened well I know they ain't making that up So what if they are? You ought to already believe God heals. You shouldn't even be thinking that way. Why are you having a heart? When you fail to believe the testimony of healing and the Lord and what he's doing. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The the revelation of Christ and his finished work is the prophetic utterance of God over the earth. It's the foretelling of God. God. He's the good news that's come. Watch. I'm going to be strong with this. When Christians are struggling with healing testimonies, you're actually, without realizing it, confessing you don't believe God's word. You shouldn't even have to test that. Of course he's a healer. <laughs> we wonder if they made it up. Well, then we're sorry for them and they'll have to answer for that or get their hearts straight. But so what if they made the healing testimony up and the person never was healed of cancer? God still heals cancer. Why does that judge God? Why does man living inappropriate judge God? Why are we still trying to find God through men? When you find God through Jesus and proclaim Him. The biggest thing I hear out there when I travel is people that used to go to church but don't anymore. And, and they say this, well, I don't go to church anymore because church is this and Christians are this and Christians. But what they're saying is I have no relationship with God because I'm relating that to God. Right. And my question always is with a smile, well, what's that have anything to do with Jesus, son or sir? It's obvious you have nothing with him right now, do you? Well, I believe in God. And then you explain and express some things and you can get people crying in a heartbeat with truth. I watch it all the time when I travel. You seatbelt me beside somebody that's willing to talk and doesn't just want to ignore you. It doesn't take long to watch people cry. Truth is amazing and it's refreshing and it's what they want to believe all along. Sometimes their pains are forbidding them and they become their excuses. And yet Jesus is amazing. The whole time they're using their excuses, Jesus is still amazing and Lord and true. So what we say doesn't change who he is, but what he says changes us. (laughs) Isn't that a paradox? You think the devil doesn't know this stuff? Watch. Now watch. Watch the bar raise here. Watch the standard raise right here. It began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So this isn't just a confession and a doctrine. Watch. God also bearing witness, both with signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of Holy Spirit according to his own will. So his will is to work signs, wonders, various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit through his people, through this message and the Lord's brought this, he's delivered this and he said, follow me and the things I do, you will do and these signs will follow those that believe and teach and train everybody that you bring into this kingdom what I've taught and trained you. Now go multiply who I am. God also bearing witness. Who's in this mix? Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder if he's willing to flow in this arena. Sounds like he is. Watch. This is going to get heavy. You ready? Do you know that the devil is the accuser of the brethren? Do you know that he's also accused God to the brethren? Why did God let this happen? Well, what is God doing? Well, why is God... Well, wonder why God... Your whole life you heard that and thought that and didn't even understand it but began to say it just because that's what everybody said. And it's always about God our whole life. I said this the other week. And I wasn't mean to offend people, but I, I used phrases like God damn and Jesus Christ. And I used it with emotion and expression as if people were really doing it to where the devil has his trick into when things are going wrong, it's God that's damning. And when things are frustrating, it's Jesus that's somehow responsible. And it's become our language on the earth. You're hammering. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. What you're saying is, God is such a dammer. Dude, why do you damn me? Isn't that amazing how that slipped into our language? Hello? You feel how sober it is in the room right now? Watch this. Whew. Man, I'm getting emotional again. Please help me, God. I am a roller coaster. <laughs> you have no idea. I can laugh in a moment and cry in a moment. It's like, it's not my fault either. And it's not that I'm sad. I, I don't, I, I'm not like depressed or bummed. It's just this thing is so real. I actually think I'm a pretty happy fellow, overall. But I'm sober, I'm serious. This thing is real to me. Watch this. He's not put the world to come to which we speak in subjection to angels. Now when he made that comment, he's talking about Hebrews 1 10, 11, 12. But watch this. Now he's going to quote Psalms 8, which is amazing. But one testified, because he's talking about us, guys. But one testified in a certain place saying, Boy, you ought to have this question answered by now. Ought we not? What is man? People still say, I don't know why God would love me like that. It's because you're defining yourself through the life you've lived and not what he's created you for. If God didn't have a greater perspective and view of your potential in your life, how could he die for sinners? He could die for them, but they're left sinners. He has a greater vision depth for you than what you've known. For me than what I've known. Right? What is man? Who are we? That you're mindful of us. We're the son of man that you would care for us. You've made him a little lower than the angels. I I know you know this. Psalms 8 uses the word Elohim. You've made him a little lower than Elohim. Isn't that amazing? We were never created to be God, but... We were definitely adopted in his sons and created to be sons. Predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, the firstborn among many. God's never lost sight of me in the midst of the chaos. And when darkness covered the earth of my life, Holy Spirit hovered over me and he said, let there be light. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Or the, you've taken care of him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. Watch this. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Is that how he created man? Well, it sounds like he's talking about man. Man doesn't seem crowned with glory and honor. Man seems wicked, defiled, and evil in their heart. He's talking about how he started this thing. When the Israelites were messing up over and over and over and over, and Moses was going through wardrobe after wardrobe after wardrobe, tearing his clothes and dusting his head, Right in the middle of all that, God said, Yeah, I'll, I'll forgive them. You realize they're going to suffer the consequences of their sin. They're going to have to pay the price of why? They're under law of sin and death. you reap reaping what you're sowing. He said, But Moses, let me tell you something. In the face of their chaotic, obstinate, stiff necked behavior, God said, Moses, let me tell you something. As surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled. With my glory. Guess who his glory is? Who he justified, he Christ in you, the hope of. See, I was taught that was blasphemy my whole life. I was taught, well, that was Jesus. We're just worms. You stay a worm if you want to, that's your privilege. But I won't be in the can with you. <laughs> or on the hook that's right because worms go on hooks (laughs) or in birds mouths devoured by the birds of the air like seeds that fall on wonton soil wayward ground when you don't know who you are those seeds that fall get chomped up don't be a worm in a bird's mouth you have who's crowned him You've crowned him with glory and honor. Oh my goodness. Am I reading this? Is this really here? Somebody had to make a mistake. This can't be here. God, God's in sovereign charge. Wait, it's all the administration of God. It, a man has nothing to do with this. This can't be in my Bible. Somebody messed up. Whatever happens is God. It's administrated from God. It's, it's divine order. It's predestined. It's... It's it's God said all things. Well, let's go with it. Let's trust it's God's word. He said him. Who? Who's he talking about? Man. He said him over the works of his hands. He's talking about creation, guys. He's talking about your root value, your inherited value, what God intended from the beginning for man. And even though man lost, and even though man took on the nature of the devil, and even though man sinned and was born into Adam, and generations after we're all born into sin and into death, this is still God's created value, God's intention, and Christ redeemed us to that truth, breathed back into us as if sin never was, and adopted us back in his sons. This hasn't changed. Or he wouldn't say, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, you go now. He wouldn't rise from the dead and say, as the Father sent me, I send you. (sighs) Come on, how clear is this? You said him, who? Man. Man, over the works of his hands. Watch. You have put all things in That's the same as when he said to Adam Subdue the earth What are we? Subdued by the earth And when we are We say it's God's order Mm -hmm. He said raise up your shield Of faith It quenches how many darts? All Except the ones that are divinely ordered how many darts? Oh. Why would you have a sword if you weren't supposed to wield it and fight? It's not whatever will be, will be. He said, Subdue the earth, church. And we're being subdued and making theology up to substantiate it at the cost of the kingdom that's inside of our spirit and it has to stop somebody needs to raise the banner rise up and be vigilant militant know their God and do exploits we can do this grace is telling us we can you have put what? How many things? Wow. There's that all things phrase again. Why couldn't we heal the boy, Lord? Because of what you're failing to see. The perverse way your mind tends to think it creates unbelief. But truly, I tell you this. If you have faith, you'll say to the mountain, move, and the mountain will move, and nothing. Sounds like all things in subjection. Sounds like he gave us all things pertaining to life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter one. We predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those who he predestined he called. Who he called he justified. Who he justified he glorified. What shall we say to these things? How can we respond? If God's for us who can possibly be against us? For if God didn't spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall we not freely receive all things through the son all things what necessary to be like him that's what he's talking about conformed (laughs) did I give you like a thousand scriptures today to confirm all this at least a few hundred (laughs) honestly I gave you dozens and dozens and they all say the same thing like a knitly fit fit puzzle, right? Watch. You have put all things, what? For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left no thing that is not put under him. Remember when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. This is what spurred me to the scripture, by the way. Remember, looking unto Jesus, author and finisher, watch. He left nothing that is not put under him. Watch. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Under man. Have you seen every mountain you ever spoke to move? Have you seen everyone you spoke to move? Does the Bible say if you believe you speak to them, they will move? Have you seen everyone move? Is all things in subjection under your feet? Yes. Did he cause us to subdue the earth? Yes. In saying all things, is there anything that's not in subjection under us? No. However, we don't yet see all things in subjection under us. Verse 9. But we look up and see no one but Jesus. Yes. It's not time to create theology when the mountain doesn't move. No. It's time to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's time to go forward and not backwards because there's no pleasure in your, his soul when you draw back. When you begin to draw back, you get cast to and fro. When you go forward, you begin to be renewed in your mind and you come to the knowledge of God and it's the salvation of your soul. But we see who? Jesus. Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. What's he talking about? When he came as a man and died on the cross. Shh. Yeah. What a, what a God what a gospel for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone you know why? you were never made to die It was the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. Why? Because you were never made to die. (laughs) Were you ever made to die? Was man made to die? So God just couldn't have you dying if you weren't made to die. He had to open the way for life because he never changes and he's still God and his love never fails. (laughs) Yay. See where I get this stuff? <laughs> it's everywhere you look. It's every, that's good. It's everywhere you look. Isn't it? Yeah, that's finished there. It's late. It's 12, but we started at a quarter after. So the cameras aren't running longer, but we all are running longer. So I'll be gracious. I just want to read something real quick. I won't preach it. I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 3, Martha just brought it up, it's very good. It's a good way, it's just a good period. Paul said there's a grace on his life to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ in verse 8. Remember, looking unto Jesus. When they looked up, all they saw was Jesus, right? We don't see all things in subjection, but we see Jesus. Seeing must be a big deal, Verse 9, why did he have this grace to preach the search words of Christ? To make all see what is the communion, the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. So it was always there, it was hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus. He says here earlier it has been revealed. The cat's out of the bag, guys. He made known the mystery. (laughs) In fact, he says in verse 3, how by revelation he made known the mystery that I've briefly already written. So Ephesians 1 and 2 is a revealing of that mystery. Ephesians 1 and 2 is crystal clear. So then he says, created all things through Jesus Christ. So this mystery, which from the beginning was hidden in God, through Christ, was revealed to the intent Now the motive of God's revealed to God's intent, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Church. And we're still struggling with sovereignty, divine order, and Old Testament questions. Not after today. They're not allowed. (laughs) I'm telling you, they're forbidden from the school. I'm not playing. They're forbidden. I won't answer them. If you ask one, I'll say, get the tape of the other day. I'm not going to take one more second with an Old Testament question challenging healing. It's forbidden. How's that for law? (laughs) It is. It's forbidden. I won't take it. You can ask it. I just won't take it. I'll say you already have the answer. Look inside your heart. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by who? By God? By the church. Wow. To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Well, that's right, because Jesus took the handwriting contrary to us and made a public spectacle of those powers, liberating us, empowering us, changing the totem pole, and the first sign of believers to cast them things out now. That's right. Not follow them and believe them and talk like them. Look, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he is accomplishing which he accomplished purpose do you see the bloods enough do you see it's finished do you see Jesus knew what he was saying do you know Jesus isn't babbling it is finished <laughs> You see it? What's finished? The intent of God, the eternal purpose. The curtain, the curtain. In that moment, the-, the temple, not from bottom to top. Men didn't tear it from top to bottom. God took it and went, This day is over.. It is now a new and living way. A new covenant in the blood of the Son of God. How can there be a New Testament unless there's a death to the tester? The time is here. Now is the day. Now is the time for salvation.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) Man, let's just believe this and be transformed. In whom we have boldness. We ought to have boldness if we believe. If we don't, it's because we're not believing. We're still entertaining thoughts and feelings and emotions and people's opinions. God says we have boldness. Have boldness. I don't care how you feel. God says have boldness. So have it. Have it already. Seeing. Seeing. You have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. God have boldness to enter in and receive from him mercy and grace. Hmm. Well, I don't feel bold, brother. Have it! <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I need ministry. No, believe! <laughs> I think I need delivered. You have been delivered from the power of darkness translated into the kingdom of the son of his love believe believe forgive my emotion i can't help it boldness and access with confidence through faith in him watch therefore i ask you don't lose heart because i'm going through hell it seems on the earth Isn't that amazing? That came right out of his mouth like that. Not like he didn't. He said tribulations, but my paraphrase says hell on the earth. Tribulation. In the world you'll have tribulation, but in me you have peace. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, if you've overcome the world, why do I have tribulation? If you overcome the world, why do I have tribulation? Where's my peace? Come on. I got trouble. He already told you you will in the world. But in me you have peace because he's changed your perspective. He's overcame the world because truth came and rocked your world and changed the way you think and see. Mm -hmm. And now adversity isn't your trouble. (laughs) Because you're here to manifest him in the face of it. Watch, I ask you don't lose heart at my tribulations. For you it's your glory. Mm Because you see, this is where the rubber meets the road. And you can see through my tribulation that I don't love my own life unto death. I'm living for the glory of God. Godliness with the contentment is great gain. And whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content in the sense that nothing's changed in who I am and why. Come on, I'm preaching straight and strong to you right now. Watch. And for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of, 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 of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth. Oh, better believe I'm a son. Is named. Watch that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the inner man. And then he prays that we walk in a revelation of love. Why? Because that's the manifold wisdom of God that fallen flesh that fallen humanity could be lifted up out of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love and manifest the very nature that they fell from and be redeemed back to the truth they were created in and shine the light of his glory as if man never fell that's the power of the cross church and to know the love of Christ is to be filled with all the fullness of God are we exalting men? now to him Hmm. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Oops, he has to slip this in here. Wow. According to the power that works in us. Are we exalting men? To him be glory. Who did this? Who's responsible? To him be glory. In Where? Do you see how one he makes us with him? <laughs> Do you see how he's not craving your honor, but the honor of who he's making us to be? He's not craving your giving him glory. He's, he's saying by the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church. We're the ones bringing him glory. Glory by Christ Jesus to all generations it's the Christ in us Ephesians 1 reads like this at the end and I know I'm, 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 I'm almost made up for the time we started late <laughs> that's my justification I'm, I'm sorry Paul hears they're Christians he doesn't stop praying that their eyes be enlightened that they understand the hope of his calling the riches of his glory or the glory of his inheritance in the saints what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward who believers according us who believe according to the working of his might see because when you believe old testament questions as your answers then you've just subverted belief and he's not talking about you now even though it's your potential wow that was a tight one according to the work of his mighty power which he worked in christ when he raised him from the dead, this thing should be settled in our hearts, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above, it's no contest, far above, all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that will ever be named. Come on, it gets better. He never talks like this without pairing us together. I can show you time after time where he does this and then talks about us right on the heels of it. Every name, every knee shall bow to his name. Heaven, earth, under the earth will bow at his name. You, therefore. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go, therefore. It's over and over. The exaltation of who he is and the relationship of us in him. That's the pleasure of God. Sounds like he doesn't even want to see himself apart from us in him. I would have been I would have been told growing up in churches I went to that I was a heretic. Some might say it now. We'll see someday. And he put all things under his feet. How many things? Uh-oh. Uh-oh and gave him to be head over all those things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. (laughs) I've had enough for one day. I am truly born again. I'm empowered, and I actually believe even a little more than when I came. Because we grow from glory to glory. We grow from faith to faith. Okay. Stand to your feet, guys. I feel in my heart, just because this is such a passionate topic, I feel like this was the best day of the school to me. To me. I'm not saying for you. To me. I did. I buried that thing. Everything was nails in the coffin. I put so many nails in. There is no way that that thing can race from the dead. It's done. It's dead in me. And it needs to be dead in you. Will you commit that it's dead in you? It's not wrong to ask questions about the Old Testament, but you don't use the Old Testament to confront the new that's come. That is deception. It's actually shallow thinking. It's people that have no foundation in revelation of truth. I know that sounds harsh. It's just the way it is. It doesn't make people evil. We're just misinformed. And it can be motivated by a number of things. We're still loved by God but that set the record straight through Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So, Father, we, did I ask you guys to stand or did you just jump up? Yes. Did I ask you? Okay, because I thought, man, you guys just leaped to your feet. I didn't know if I did that or not. Do you understand why I do that? I just want to honor him, that he's the giver of life. He's the giver of the word. He's amazing, isn't he? Father, we just look to you and we love you. And we just thank you for your word. Continue to increase our understanding. Father, I'm asking for these here, the people online, that you really would stir our hearts to be alone with you and be in the word of God. That you would take off any unholy, ungodly filters, any uncertainty, any hesitation, anything unhealthy, God, that you would literally hide us in you in the secret place and come minister to us there. And what we hear in the secret, oh, let us cry it from the rooftops. Father, I ask you to draw us into the place of your intimacy and your presence and ask that you form our hearts there. Take what was taught today and use it, God, to inspire us to seek you. And come to the place of knowing and believing in our own hearts. Not just because someone preached it passionately. But because we see. Let us see, God. Open our understanding and let us see. I thank you for your grace and love in Jesus' name. Thank you for all these precious students. Amen. Amen. And amen. Bless you guys. You're awesome.